Welcome, everybody, to episode five of Market Banter. I'm joined, as always, by my great friend, Dion Rabowen of Axios. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Dan. You're doing a great well, job. Yeah, man. I've known you a long time now. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's getting crazy. Time is just moving by. I'm balding, gaining weight, and you look exactly the same as you did in, like, 2007. So Yeah, you know, I got a lot crazy. more gray hair, though. I got a lot more gray hair. I just we did Axios on HBO last week, and I was watching myself, and I definitely I feel like I look kind of distinguished though. I was kind of like, oh, all right, all right. You know, when I think of you, there are a lot of words that come to mind. The first one is probably distinguished, <laughs> distinguished guy. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> That's great, man. A uh, lot of lot of lot of crazy stuff going on today in the markets. Uh, we got to talk some Apple. I think that's that, that's what Ooh, I'm yeah. excited about. We got to talk a little. We're going to talk a little Apple. We're going to talk a little tech, a little Peloton. It's uh, mm. it's a good day on the People's Financial Show. Market. Wow, it's too yeah. much. I don't know how we're going to squeeze it all into one show. I mean, this yeah, could be like a week. We're going to have to just jump right into. it. I think we should jump right into our guest. Oh wow, I'm excited. I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah we Let's have see. Laura Martin on the line, who is a senior internet analyst, internet analyst at Needham and Company. There it is. Yeah, we're gonna talk Apple. I got, I got a lot to say. I got a lot to ask. I know you do too. You know, let's so, just bring her in. Laura, are you on the line with us? I am. What did you think about this big Apple rollout that uh, we got this week? No new iPhone, um, which I know a lot of people were disappointed by. It seems like the stock market's a little disappointed by that. What did you think? Um, well, I think we've known for some time that they they had said on their last earnings call that they were going to delay. Uh, their five, their new line of uh, iPhones was going to be three weeks late, so we sort of widely expected to have them announce those in October, um, and so we, uh, so it was widely rumored that they were going to do just the tablet and the watches, and I thought it was fine. I think the importance of the tablet and the watches are that it provides lower cost on ramps into the Apple ecosystem because once you buy any of these products, you end up backwardly integrating and buying sort of all of them and becoming an Apple home, especially as they introduce more services where it's a family plan where up to five people can pay 30 bucks and basically get every service that they offer, whether it's arcade or news or the new fitness plus app or the cloud. So all of those for five people for $30 a month sort of locks you into their ecosystem and you sort of jettison your Android devices in that family unit. And then you can't get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they're going Correct. for. And the the street has not been impressed with Apple over the past, I want to say, week and a half. I think that stock since September 1st has dropped from about 134 a share to about now I think it's down to 110 a share. You've got a buy rating and a $140 price target on Apple. Uh, what is it that you like about Apple the street's not getting? Well, first of all, it's up a lot on the year, right? It's been a huge oh, yeah. Apple performer this year and last year as well. Like so all the time. I'm, not, I'm not, and the whole market is under siege. My whole screen is red, except for Peloton, which is up 3%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but everything else right? is down hard today. Um, so let's see. What I like the most is what I think the market underestimates is the value of 950 million of the wealthiest consumers on earth. And the upside that that implies in terms of the money they can tap into per person of that 950 million unique users. So they're about half the size of Facebook and Google, which who reach about 2 billion users a month. But, um, but Apple generates a lot more lifetime value per user. Um, including yeah, Apple actually sells a thing. 
Yeah, not only does it sell a thing, it sells services which have 67% margins. They have twice the margins of the thing they sell. So I think things they sell is much less important than services they sell. Hmm, interesting. All right, the pivot. You, you believe the Apple pivot is real? I do. And I, and I sort of view it's an, it's a lock, an ecosystem lock-in ploy, but all of that generates longer times in the ecosystem and basically prevents you from leaving them. It's a, you know, like flypaper. They keep finding ways to stick you into their ecosystem and then giving you golden handcuffs that don't make you want to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. So this is interesting. I'm really glad that you're on and you are an Apple believer because Dan and I, we are, uh, we are Apple skeptics. Dan, are you allowed to publicly <laughs> be an Apple skeptic? Can I say that? Yeah, I, I guess publicly I can. You know, I don't it's, – it's not so much that I'm a skeptic. I just – I don't get all the ballyhoo around Apple, you know, yeah. sometimes. I'll come out and say it. I don't like Apple. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like it. Yeah. You know, Dion, you're never afraid to take a hard stance, man. That's what I like <laughs> about you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not scared. I ain't scared. So, Laura, what's going to make someone like me get an Apple device? Like, why am I going to switch over? Um, you never have to. I think what they're trying to do is, so for example, a friend of mine, you saw that the new watch has this um, blood oxygen level right. and they have trackers That's for so different health assets. Super so smart because if you are a diabetic or you have issues with a racing heart or they're finding more and more health reasons that you want to buy a $400 Apple watch and you buy it for that single purpose. But then once you own it, of course, it's far more powerful if you then sync it with a phone. So again, they're finding ways to drive services to niches, almost like subscription niches in the media world, where if you have a particular ailment and your Apple Watch will help you manage it, you buy the watch for that. So like I said, an on-ramp, a $400 on-ramp. And then once you get there, you find other stuff you want to buy, and pretty soon it doesn't make economic sense to have anyone in your family not in the Apple ecosystem. And a lot of this is driven by kids. Like the kid will be the first one. They have to have that Apple brand in eighth grade or when they're 15 years old, and they're the first one. But then if you want to track where they are, you need to have an Apple phone of your own to track their whereabouts. Or oh. Right, right. They just they – just- they just suck you in and then you, you can't get out. That's it. So it's, it's for, it's for parents more. So like, that's what they're trying to do. They just need someone, they need one person in your family. And then once they've got that one person in your family, everyone else has to come over. And like one of the things they have on a watch is let's say your kid ignores you when you text, they have something called walkie talkie. So if he's wearing a walkie talkie on his wrist, if you're a watch, you just wow. press talkie and you say, James, are you on your way home? And the kid says, yes, no doesn't need to stop driving. So again, these little things, if you find one thing that's exceptional about one of your Apple devices, you end up buying them for the whole family. Gotcha. Oh man, that is, that is really smart actually. Yeah, that is really smart. I'm from the old school. So the day that my father knows how to send me a text message is the day that I'm going to, I don't know. That's, that's the weirdest thing ever. It's like the weirdest thought ever really. Yeah. My well, father so- just figured out email last week, so I doubt the text message is coming anytime soon. <laughs> he just got – he got – did he send you an email? Is yeah, he-, he did. He did. My mom on Facebook just sends me messages – no, she sends me videos in Facebook messages. And they're just sort of nonsense videos for no reason, but she does it constantly. 
She's figured right. out. Now. But uh, okay, anyway, that's so good. Back to back to Apple, and I thought it was what was really interesting was um, Laura. You talked about how Peloton is up today, while seemingly everything else in the market is down. It seems like Peloton and Apple are kind of with this new fitness, you know, Apple Fitness Plus and the bundle and all that, that they're taking direct aim at Peloton. My colleague at Axios, Dan Primack, he thinks that Apple's going to buy Peloton one of these days. And, you know, they've got the cash sitting around in a, uh, in a barn somewhere to do it. Uh, what do you think about that in terms of this competition, Apple Fitness and Peloton, and why we're seeing kind of a spike in Peloton while everything else is losing? Uh, and this is we're talking about Thursday, of course. It's Friday today while well, you all are listening to it. But we're talking about stock market action on Thursday. Um, yeah, that's actually a great point. So I, I strongly disagree that Apple would buy Peloton. So from the your logic's point of view, totally works. This is Apple makes $60 billion a year of free cash flow. Um, and Peloton's total market cap today is like $20 billion. So they could buy it for $30 billion. They could write a check. And no one would notice. So they absolutely bring over a wheelbarrow of cash. Yeah, every year. It's like it doesn't end. That isn't just the They have another hundred and something billion on their balance sheet just sitting in banks, but they generate an extra 60. But no, don't see it. A, really, what Apple strategy is what you say no to. And Apple has said no to anything that isn't mobile. A hundred percent of what they do follows the consumer 20 hours a day, every waking hour. Pelotons don't do that. They sit in your home. You use it for an hour or two. If there's two or three of you, it does not travel with you. Also, it's not techy enough. I mean, the stuff that Apple is doing with, with Apple Silicon, they now own the chip, they bought the chip maker, is super high-tech futuristic. You know, exercise equipment, not so much. Peloton is super techy, awesome for a stationary bike. Like we aren't in the same league. So it is a similar brand. They have similar target markets, sort of people that make over $100,000 a year is their target market. Peloton is in four countries, predominantly US revenue. Apple is in every country, including 20% of their China sales coming from China. So global and super wealthy, uber wealthy. So I do not see them buying an asset that isn't mobily based and software based. And I think it's smart of them to introduce a $10 service. My gut feel is they lose $3 on every single one of those subscribers because Peloton has an exactly comparable $13 service and they break even. So I think Apple will take subs from Peloton. And I think in that aspect, they compete smart of Apple, but they'll lose money on every sub and they don't care. They just don't care. It's just not enough money in their portfolio to care about. And they're trying to make their bundle bigger, right? They're making a mega bundle, this Apple One. Right. So that's what they're going for is this big premium bundle where if you want anything, you buy everything for your family, which then gets you to buy the next iPhone. Laura, lightning round. Uh, this U.S.-China trade war that's going on right now, it seems to be leaking out into a bit of a tech war uh, does that make you worried at all for Apple? Just what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, if they get kicked out of China, um, there's 3 million employees in China for Apple on behalf of Apple. So it'd be a, a big, um, it'd be hard for the Chinese government to kick them out. But it is 20% of Apple's sales a year in iPhones. So they would have a horrible year where they're, say, if they totally get kicked out of China. Um, is that something they, you think could realistically happen, getting totally kicked out of China? 
I don't know. It sort of depends. I think if Trump gets reelected, he keeps turning up the heat on China. I think maybe. Well, I, I will say I've got a friend that lives in China, like an expat guy, and he has a Huawei phone. And he said it's uh, very popular over there and that it's better than an iPhone in a lot of ways. But that's just his opinion. Yeah, that's possible. It's also like a fraction of the price, too, I'm sure he was saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Laura Martin, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me join you today. That was interesting. I didn't – Apple getting kicked all the way out of China is uh, – I feel like I want to call it a hot take, but it's not not a hot take in the sense that that is wrong or couldn't happen. That's just – that would be hot. Right. But I'm telling you, Huawei is like pretty big over there in China. No, no, and uh, I know they're not allowed in, in, in the States, but yeah. my friend swears by them, you know? No, and that's the thing about Huawei is you're actually hitting completely different demographics. Like Huawei is designed for everyone to have over in China. It's kind of like the people's phone a little bit, which is why it was such a thing when they um, when the U.S. banned them uh, over here. Right. Because, you know, and now they've they've sort of they've been banned from 5G in a number of U.S. Uh, allies. I think it was the U.K. banned them. I think Germany is is looking to ban them. So it's this whole, I don't know, what was the trade war is now turning into the tech war. And right. it's going to be interesting. And now if you could see you know, a company as big and important as Apple getting banned, I mean, that's that's huge. That's uh, huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of huge, <laughs> you like that segue? After, after being distinguished, I would say the segues are, the, are probably the second best thing about you. Yeah. Speaking of huge was this Fed meeting uh, this week. Um, and I don't know if you caught this, Dan, but I, I'd love to get your thoughts on it because I just think what's happening with the Fed is insane. And I try to explain it to people and no one that's not like a Fed nerd seems to appreciate what is happening. So last uh, the Fed's last meeting – um, or not their last meeting, but their meeting in Jackson Hole, which is this giant um, gathering of central bankers. They usually do it in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's like um, it's sort of like central banker summer camp, or like maybe a central bank retreat. It's the closest thing to like a global central bank mm. retreat. And they all come and they all talk about the big things mm. they're working on, and they make these presentations, and it's a really big to do. And um, this year at uh, what. I guess you still can call it Jackson Hole, even though it didn't happen in Jackson Hole. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, he introduces this thing called average inflation targeting, which basically means that uh, they set a goal for inflation to be 2% every year. They want 2% inflation in the U.S. every single year. They haven't actually gotten that since they made it the target ever on a consistent basis. But now they're saying, okay, not only do we want 2% inflation, we want more than 2% inflation, but we still want it to be around 2%. We just want it to consistently be higher than 2%, but not so much that it gets way above 2%. So this month, they're supposed to actually get together and define that and say like, okay, here's exactly what we want. Here's how we're going to do that. Even though we've never actually been able to get inflation to our target, here's what we're planning to do. And they just don't at all. They released a statement saying, this is kind of what we want. There are two dissenters, as in two people on the committee who say like, no, we don't agree with this, which is unusual. Usually there's none. 
And then the chair pal comes out and just kind of says nothing and won't really answer questions about it. And not only that, but they improve their expectations for uh, the U.S. for growth, inflation, um, for – God, what was the other thing? Growth, inflation – oh, and unemployment. And they say, but also we're going to do more stimulus and we're going to keep rates lower up until 2023. Like rates at zero until 2023. Does any of that sound crazy to you or does that just all sound like, I don't know, a normal? Uh, I don't fully grasp a lot of it. I mean, <laughs> they, they want more inflation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. They basically said we're not going to raise rates until inflation gets to 2%, even though inflation hasn't been at 2% ever as long as we've had this inflation target which has been since 2012 right like that interesting yeah and it, to me it just sort of seems like a under the the guise of inflation they just want to say the economy needs a lot of help so we have to keep doing all this crazy stuff but we can't admit that we're doing all this crazy stuff to help the economy because then we would admit that the economy was not good that to me makes a lot huh. more sense and i wish they'd just say that but they won't and they keep dancing around it and I'm like, why can't we just come out and admit that the economy is not good? Can we just say that, guys? I think there's probably a lot of political uh, ramifications. It seems like Wall Street hangs on every word that Jerome Powell says. Yeah, and they're supposedly the market – I don't want to call it a crash, but like the sell-off that's happened since uh, the meeting yesterday has been because he downgraded the outlook for the economy, but he didn't downgrade the outlook for the economy. He said the same thing that he's been saying for the past, I don't know, four months, which is that things aren't great. It's going to take a while for them to get better. I don't think that really has anything to do with what's going on in the stock market, but people seem to like saying that. Uh, right. When you when you think about what the Fed does, what do you think? I always think of the Fed as like the last – it seems to me that the Fed – people go to the Fed when there's no other option a lot of times. Like if Congress and government can't figure it out. And the private sector, because there's really only there's three sectors, right? There's government, corporations, and the Fed. Am I missing any? The Fed's not really another sector. The Fed is the the central bank. So it's like the idea. The Fed's actual entire reason for being is to set interest rates. That's the only thing they're supposed to do. But oh, really? Yeah, they've become such a huge thing that they do so much more than that. And they actually control the entire economy at this point, um, which right. is outrageous because they're not they're not elected officials. Anyway, I don't want to get too far into the Fed. People are probably sick of hearing me yap about the Fed. Let's talk sports betting. Oh my God, please. <laughs> we got we got news this week. Uh, big news on the sports betting uh, landscape. You got DraftKings hitting a record. DraftKings stock hitting a record. Uh, after they announced this deal with ESPN, uh, they're going to be integrating offerings across ESPN's digital platforms, including promotion on ESPN studio shows, dedicated segments, daily fantasy reports, all this stuff. Um, as a degenerate gambler, Dan, what do you think of this? Hmm. Well, I I've said for years, I mean, some people are impressed by people who can land a plane. Other people are impressed by people who can do like open heart surgery. Nothing impresses me more than people who get a football game like the like the prediction correctly. I just that blows my mind. I don't know how they do it. It's in, it's insane to me. But are you talking about? It seems. Are you talking about Vegas or the betters themselves? Yeah, just like setting. Yeah, like just setting the the, the odds makers. So it, it really does impress me. And 
it seems like sports betting with all these like with like the legal it, it feels like medical marijuana and sports betting have both really had like a resurgence in the last you know five years whereas like you know you'd have to go to vegas to do a sports bet you'd have to go to like amsterdam to buy pot legally it seems like now you can now, now you can kind of just do all that locally which is a real big a real big plus for a lot of people you know? Speaking of that, a crazy number on this sports betting thing. So the state of New Jersey on Monday said that the August sports wagering handle, which is the, the amount of money taken in wagers, was $668 million just for the month of August. And oh, my God. But only $66 million of that was on site. As in the other $602 million was online, which is crazy. Year to date. That is crazy. Right? That's insane. In one month. And there weren't even that many. And, and this was in the month of August? This is in August, right? Yeah. Like what, what are people even what betting? What sports – what were people <laughs> betting on? Like cricket? Cricket or some like – some kind of like Bundali – what is it? Bundalisa? But Bundalisa what's the, what's the German soccer league? Bundalisa or whatever it is? Clearly neither know. of us watch soccer and if, if there's – Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. there's someone who watches soccer listening to this podcast, they're probably very offended right now. Uh, but yeah, I guess there was – you had NBA in August. You had a, you had some NBA in August. Oh yeah, that's right. You did have some NBA in August. We're that's just right. now getting into the the finals and the, the the conference finals. By the way, hold on, full stop. We got to stop what we're doing right now. Nuggets basketball, baby. Denver Nuggets in the oh, Western yeah. Conference Finals. Who saw that coming? Excited. Me. Oh yeah, I saw it coming. That's who saw it. I didn't actually know. Right, right, I right. The, I totally thought the Nuggets were going to lose the Clippers. I definitely did. I was screaming my head off in my apartment. Uh, watching that game seven, I was like, I feel, I feel bad for my neighbors because it's just, you know, every couple minutes things sound normal, and there's like, Jamal Murray. <laughs> anyway, uh, DraftKings also signing a deal with the New York Giants to make them the official sports betting and daily fantasy sports partner, uh, allowing the company to access the team's trademarks and logos as it's building more on the gambling front. They've also got agreements with the Cowboys and the Patriots. Those are kind of the big three football teams right there in terms yeah, of – Yeah, that's impressive, yeah. So this sports betting thing, clearly uh, clearly going places, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean people are – especially now, people stuck at home. They want something to do, you know, and the fact that you can – you know, you don't have to get on a plane and go to Vegas anymore to put down a bed is so convenient and easy for people that, you know, it's yeah. probably very uh, enticing. I wonder how many of the 600 – or the people that made the $602 million worth of bets on the internet – uh, actually live in New Jersey or if New Jersey is just kind of where they're being directed to. Don't you have to have like the IP address in the state? I think I read that somewhere, but maybe not. I mean, not, we've got Tor now. You know, you can have your IP address be wherever you want it to be. If you're a degenerate... Yeah, that's true. Figure that out. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> For so, something tells me that if you're that much of a degenerate gambler, you're, you're not going to be going online. You're going to be going to some, you know, bookie in Staten Island somewhere, you know what I mean? I sort of, I wonder, though, is, this, is this better than your bookie? Like, would you rather gamble with DraftKings than your bookie? Or That's actually you... their new slogan. You know, DraftKings, we're better than the bookie. <laughs> better than the bookie. Yeah, we're better than you. your bookie. Like, I mean, because I don't know. I, DraftKings isn't going to, you know, let you be good for it for a couple weeks, right? But DraftKings right. also isn't going to come maybe break your legs. Right. So that's a uh, – That's true. I don't know. That's an open question. Um, also, let's talk about Penn National and Barstool 
because they just launched. Yes. Or they're about to launch. No, no, they did. Sorry, it was on September fifteenth. Uh, they launched the test period in the Pennsylvania sports betting market. So that's going to be huge. And then the official launch is expected on September 18th. That's today. And Penn National, remember, bought 36% of Barstool Sports in January. So they're going to be setting up the Barstool Sports app, Barstool Sportsbook app, sorry. And it's going to be the only one that's marketed to the 66 million Barstool Sports fans, which also really big. Um, the thing Can't about it's that though, huge. That's crazy. It's right. People, are you a Barstool guy or no? You know what? I follow the pizza reviews because I uh, had a lot of t- had a lot of time on my hands a few months ago, and so I, I, I follow the pizza reviews only, and I, I didn't agree with a lot of them. But I went to one of the places that that he re- that he gave a really high review to, and you yeah. go to the place in I think it was in Jersey somewhere, and there's like a 24 by 36 you know square footage printout of this guy's face on the front of the pizzeria being like, Oh, we got a seven out of 10 from Dave Portnoy on Barstool. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ. It's crazy to me. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, yeah it's that's, crazy. That's a bit much. That's it's weird that that's where yeah. you took, but, uh, but all right. Uh, some more numbers really quick. Uh, on the downside, if you're looking for a reason to not be really bullish about this sports betting thing, and DraftKings stock hitting an all-time high, Penn National stock up, I think 175% this year, uh, just on the year, year to date. Um, recent survey by Morning Consult found 33, 33.2 million Americans plan to take part in NFL betting this year. That's down from 38 million last year. So the trajectory, not good. But I mean, again, when you're opening up these different kinds of potential revenue streams, uh, whether it's Barstool, ESPN, uh, although I feel like ESPN has kind of gone all in on sports betting already. Like, I don't know that they're really going to tap into a new sports betting customer, but they're obviously going to be putting the DraftKings name on top of everything now. This could save ESPN. I mean, I used to watch ESPN all the time 10 plus years ago, and I feel like I never watched it anymore. You know, unless it's like a game or something that's on. Yeah, it, it seems like they bet the house on live sports, and then that hasn't really worked out too well for them in uh in right. the Corona. And right. they got to do something. Although this again, this also ties in with that because if people, if more people are betting on sports, it's, they're probably watching the sports they're betting on. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. To quote the great Artie Lang, he always said, you know, uh, if you ever want to make a Cincinnati Bengal game interesting, you know, put some money on it, and you'll. Uh, you'll be really you'll be captivated yeah. <laughs> when you have like 20 grand riding on the game you know grand riding, yeah, that'll, that'll captivate you all right awesome stuff well hey a great show and uh yeah i'm looking forward to doing it next week have a great weekend man